Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Views on View podcast. If you're wondering why I sound a little bit different on this show, it's because I'm live at Microsoft Ignite. Big thanks to Microsoft for uh, bringing me out. It's super fun to be here, and I'm, I'm super excited. This time period, though, that I have to record, uh, typically when I come out, they set me up with guests, right? So it's, hey, we've got so-and-so from Microsoft that's going to talk to you about Azure or uh, DevOps or Visual Studio Code. And I have some of those lined up, but they did things a little bit differently this year. And so essentially, I had to submit a CFP to get to come. And normally what they do is they just email me and say, are you coming? And I'd say yes. And then they'd set me up with a whole bunch of guests. And that's why you've gotten those shows in the past. They've done some of that here. You know, Richard Campbell's been great just lining all that stuff up. However, um, the times that they initially scheduled, they just put me in the booth. And I am not the kind of person who's going to waste that time. So I'm going to talk about stuff on my own here, do something a little bit cool, and uh, then we'll kind of go from there. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood, and I just launched my book, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there, the Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. I'm using this time for views on view. Initially, I had set up a time to talk about using serverless and view together. However, um, I didn't have as much time to prepare. I've had some other stuff going on that I've had to deal with. Some of it's been not a whole lot of fun. I'm also dealing with some health issues in the family. And anyway, it's all just kind of piled up. So I didn't have that ready. And to be honest, with everything that's gone on with the View podcast, I really wanted to just jump in and talk about what I'm going to do personally to make sure that the View podcast is awesome. We did have some turnover with our hosts, and so that's why you're getting me alone this week. I have a couple of people who are going to jump in either as permanent or on a trial run as hosts over the next few weeks, and that should be awesome. But yeah, you're going to kind of get me here for, for this week. And then what I'm probably going to do is just follow up on this topic over the next few weeks as we get things going. So here's the deal. Here's, here's, here's kind of what I'm thinking. So I have kind of dabbled with Vue. I was on the Views on Vue podcast for the first year of its existence, right? And then for the next six months, Chris and Ben and all them ran the show from there. So yeah, I, I kind of backed off on learning Vue. And to be honest, I didn't have a ton of time to learn Vue. And so I was just kind of, you know, muddling around with it. And okay, I kind of get it. And, uh, you know, I, I've done enough Angular and stuff to where I can kind of talk about those topics in general. So, you know, I, I understand the concepts, even if I'm not, uh, you know, necessarily a full-time practitioner. So to get back into Vue now, I, I kind of feel like I really need to dedicate myself to learning it. And at the same time, I mean, most of my job these days is actually running the podcast network, right? So I'm, I spend time interfacing with guests and hosts. I spend a ton of time finding sponsors for the shows. I'm writing blog posts. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of the other connecting stuff. And it's, it's tricky, right? Finding that kind of time to learn a new development framework, right? I'm familiar with Ruby on Rails. I did a bunch of what was it? Uh, Backbone back in the day. Did a bunch of Angular for Ang uh, Adventures in Angular. Of course, that that all changed, right? Halfway through the life of that show. And so I'm just, I'm figuring out, okay, wh where do we go from here, right? And now I want to learn, uh, you know, another modern framework and that, that being Vue.js. So, all right, so what do we do, right? What 
what is the dealio as far as Chuck learning view, and how do I do that given all the other constraints on my time? And so kind of what I'm looking at doing is a two-pronged approach. Lately, I've gotten into live streaming a bit. Um, I haven't done a ton of it here at the conference just because it's either hotel Wi-Fi or conference Wi-Fi, and I'm just like, yeah. I don't know if I really want to do that and have it cutting in and out and crap like that, so I haven't done it here. And to be honest, my travel schedule's been a little bit crazy this year, but I do want to get back into it and start doing it on a regular basis. And so my plan is is to, A, do at least one hour of Vue.js programming every day at noon, unless I'm on the road, right? I was looking at going to a couple of other conferences. I thought I was going to wind up at React Day Berlin, but I just, I can't make it work. Just, again, the, the, the health issues that I'm dealing with within my family make it really hard for me to just take off. I'm here because they paid for my airfare and hotel. You know, I, I feel bad backing out if somebody's already paid for it, but it's a little bit tricky to get the travel in. And so, yeah, lots of stuff going on, but I really do, I want to spend an hour a day uh, learning Vue. And then once I feel like I've kind of gotten the hang of Vue, then I'll move on and, you know, learn some other thing, you know, maybe React Native or, you know, some other, you know, Flutter, I don't know. So yeah, that, that being said, I kind of want to issue a challenge to people. And um, I'm, I'm patterning, patterning this a little bit off of what I did for a fitness challenge and a mental toughness challenge. I finished that uh, about mid-October. It was called 75 Hard, and you can go check it out. But it kind of gave me this idea, right? It's like, okay, you know, building some proficiency in a thing, right? So for me, I built up enough endurance to actually run a marathon. I learned a whole bunch about leadership and uh and business organization by reading books, right? Because one of the challenges was to read 10 pages out of a book. So what I want to do is I want to set up a challenge and it's going to be a 100-day challenge, 100 days of view, right? Now, I'm going to give people a little bit of leeway because I'm a practicing uh, Latter-day Saint. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and we tend not to do work-related stuff on Sunday, right? So uh, I'm going to take Sundays off. And so, you know, if, if you have something like that, then take a day off a week. If you don't, then just just plow on through, right? But we're going to do 100 days of uh, view. And what we're going to do is we're going to, you're going to spend at least an hour a day programming against some aspect of view that you're not currently familiar with, right? So maybe you want to pick up Vuex, or maybe you want to pick up Nuxt, or maybe you want to pick up, you know, some other aspect of Vue.js, or maybe you want to learn how to do it with Bootstrap or Zurb or, you know, one of the frameworks, or maybe there's some other aspect, you know, you want to set it up with Auth0 or, um, you know, set up Viewpressed or things, something like that, right? Figure out how to drop it into Gatsby because that would be fun. So, you know, whatever, you know, do it with serverless or do it with, with another approach so that you have some aspect of you know, how to do something new with Vue, okay? And so that that's essentially a workout. You have to do an hour a day, okay? And I'm going to do an hour a day too. I just may not live stream it while I'm traveling, okay? You have to read a book or a blog at least. And I, I haven't quite figured out the, the length on that. Um, with a book, it was 10 pages and I really liked that. But if I'm going to allow you to read blogs and things like that, then you have to read at least three articles. So you know, go find an article that explains some concept aspect or something like that around Vue, you can go look at the design documentation, uh, meeting notes, specs, you know, whatever. And uh, you, you have to do that every day as well, right? So 100 days of Vue, you're going to go 
read a blog post. You're going to go read a book. So um, Vue.js in Action by Eric Hanchett is probably going to be my go-to. Uh, I have a copy that I got from him at a conference. And so, yeah, that's going to be my go-to, right, is I'm going to read at least 10 pages out of there. So between the two of those, right, then you're starting to pick up Vue. Another thing that, that you have to do is you have to commit some code somewhere for Vue.js, you know, written in Vue.js. So if you're doing the hour of coding, then, you know, the commit shouldn't be that hard to get. But if you're uh, out there noodling around, you've got to commit something, right? You've got to go and you've got to actually push up and do that commit. And what that does is then you get that track record, right? You get those green squares on GitHub that show that you're committing and, and contributing every day. Okay. It could be work on a library that somebody's going to use with Vue. It could be, you know, a demo website that you're working on in Vue. It could be, you know, solving a problem in Vue. And anyway, there are a lot of different things that you can do to just, just make that connect. And then uh, you have to do a social media post posting something about what you've done, what you're working on, what you've read, what you've watched. If you watch, if you watch a half-hour video, I'll count that as well as reading. Okay, but it's got to be something, right? So if you want to go do a Pluralsight course, something, you know, anyway, so you get the idea, right? And make sure that you do the hashtag 100 days of view, okay? And what that'll do is that'll set things up so that you can actually start learning view. And then the last bit of the challenge is you have to do something that's not related to view that is going to make your life or career better, right? So that could be learning some other topic. It could be getting up and moving every 15 minutes. I mean, whatever. But it has to be something that legitimately you're thinking about, okay, this is going to make things better. This is going to make a difference for me. You know, in whatever aspect you're, you're working on, this is going to make life better. It's going to make my career better. It could be you know, you spend 10 minutes updating your resume. I mean, whatever. But it's got to be something like that that really doesn't directly relate to Vue. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the challenge. Now, let me talk a little bit about my plan, okay? Because I'm looking at this, and the way that I got through 75 hard was that I, I planned ahead. And you, you kind of have to do that because there's a lot here. There's a lot going on that you're going to have to be thinking about. So my plan is, is A, I'm going to live stream every day except Saturday for an hour, and I'm going to live stream working on a Vue.js project. Now, I've got a couple of projects that I've been wanting to work on for a while. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and put those together, right? The first one is um, I am the vice chair for the legislative district for the Republican Party in Utah in my area, right? So the legislative chair is the state representative. So at the state legislative level, right? So it basically encompasses most of the city I live in. And uh, we're getting ready for caucus night. I know that uh, other parties are also getting ready for caucus night, and I don't particularly see any reason why they couldn't use this as well. So the presidential election, there's a primary election, Super Tuesday, I think is the same across a whole bunch of other states. So yeah, so we, we all go vote in the primary election for the presidential candidate, you know, for the nomination. And that's more or less, you know, the, the end of that, right? But the rest of the caucus, we have the governor's race coming up. We have a bunch of our state senators and all of our state representatives up for election. And so we'll have our caucus night and we will essentially uh, have people able to come in and cast a ballot for delegates that go to the convention. And at the convention, the, the delegates will nominate those people. And then from there, what will happen is that uh, if the nominations come through with the right, in Utah, it's 60%. And I'm giving you way more details than you need. 
And I'm also just, you know, Utah is a very red state. So if you want a say in most of this process, you have to be registered as a Republican and show up to things like caucus night. Otherwise, you're basically just going to pull the trigger for whichever party you generally vote for. And somebody else has already picked the candidate, good or bad. So anyway, uh, that's why I'm involved at this level is because I feel like I, ha I can have the most impact doing that at this in this way. But yeah, I want the caucus night to go well. I want everybody to be able to show up and have their voice heard and just make that work, right? And so I want to build this system. The district chair, he actually owns the domain and kind of had the idea first, but this is an excuse for me to be able to work on it. So I'm, I'm essentially going to put it together so that anybody who wants to be a delegate can submit a YouTube video. They can put their bio in, they can put their photograph in. And, you know, at the caucus night, a lot of times you give people, uh, so you can do nominations from the floor and then people can, you know, speak there as well, right? So we can actually then allow those folks to stand up and, you know, say, hey, you know, this is me and this is what I do. And somebody can be there with a video camera or something and record that and then post that up as well. And then when people are voting, then they have the opportunity to go back and watch the, the little speeches and things like that and get an idea for who these delegates are that are going to go talk to the candidates and figure out who to nominate at the convention. So it's a very, very interesting system. And I'm really curious to see, you know, if, if we can make that system work better. We also do ranked choice voting. And so there's, you know, it'd be interesting to build in some ranked choice voting options on that app. So, so just stuff like that, right, that make that meeting a little bit easier. So I'm going to work on that. The other thing that I'm going to work on is, uh, and I've already kind of started working on this, but it's an Electron app that allows um, podcasters to record their own end of their conversation. And what that does, so in podcasting, we call that a double ender. And so what, what you do is, you know, I'm sitting down here, I'm currently in Orlando, Florida, and let's say that I have a co-host in Salt Lake City where I live, right? And so we're recording over the internet. The way that we've been doing things to date is we've actually been recording them over Zoom. We used to record over Skype, right? And so we would just record the, the entire call. And so all the entire call goes into one audio file and then our editors just edit it down as best they can. The problem is, is that Let's say one of our hosts is uh, sitting by the window and somebody is mowing their lawn or we've had, you know, dogs barking and crap like that during the show. Right. Well, since it's all on one track, there's nothing we can do to take that out. The other thing is, is that Zoom and Skype and a lot of the other systems out there actually compress the audio before they send it over so that it conserves bandwidth. Right. And so they go in and um, it's not like file compression. Right where in, in like a text file, every bit is significant, or most of the bits will be. You drop information out of that and you, you degrade the file, right? And it becomes unusable. With audio, you can actually degrade the audio. And because it's a waveform, as long as it adheres generally to the waveform, it may sound a little bit different. You know, you may lose some quality of the, the audio, but for the most part, it's actually fully understandable, right? And so what happens is, is that when you send the audio file up to Zoom, and then Zoom records it in the cloud, it's getting everybody's compressed audio. And so if it compresses it to like 64 kilobits per second or something like that, it's just not as high quality as kind of the full fidelity wave audio recording that you get out of 144 kilobit wave audio. And so what, what would be nice is if we could hand off all of the 144 kilobit wave audio to our editors, and then they could just drop out, you know, so, so, you know, I don't have a dog, but let's say that I had a dog, then my dog could actually come in and start barking in my room. And they just cut my, my track out, right? No more dog, right? 
because you, you can't hear it because it's not there anymore, right? But then uh, people can keep talking. If we get into a situation where I wanted to ask a question the same time as one of my co-hosts, then same deal there, right? So we wind up talking over each other. One of us eventually, I guess, wins, for lack of a better term. But you know, one of us finishes our question and, and the guest answers it. We can drop out the other track, and then it just sounds like I asked my question, right? So anyway... Um, by providing double enders, it really solves a lot of the quality problems. And it also makes it so that uh, everybody sounds really, really great because we're not dealing with compression. So that's another thing that I'm going to be working on. Honestly, I'm probably going to work on this one first. I did a live stream a while back where I was playing with the web audio APIs. And uh, boy, that was hard. Um, I, I still haven't quite gotten it working. But yeah, if I could get something like that together, then that solves a lot of issues for us. And uh, to be perfectly honest, we tried this a few years ago on some of the shows. And what wound up happening was it turned into Chuck's job to hassle everybody until they got their audio in, right? Because the editor couldn't edit it until they had all the tracks. <laughs> and that was a problem. We eventually just went to, you know, one cloud recording and, and you know, did it that way. And if I did it with a nut, like one other person, I would just sit down and, and figure out the the double ender, right? And then we would just make it happen. But the problem is, is when you have five, six, seven people, um, usually one of them's a guest and hasn't done this kind of thing before, it's a whole lot easier to say, hey, look, you know, go install this software. And then, you know, we'll click a button and it'll just work. So some of the features that I'm looking to put into it besides just the recording is I want it to kind of like what Zencaster and Squadcast and some of the other ones uh, that are web-based do is I want the audio to get pushed up to the cloud somewhere. I think Zencaster puts it in Dropbox. I think Squadcast does the same thing. And so it'd be nice, you know, when they're done with their recording, yeah, it would just upload the audio file directly to the Google Drive or Dropbox or I think, what what is Microsoft since I'm at Ignite OneDrive? You know, so just, just put all that in there so that, yeah, people can, can get at it and see it, you know, and then the editors can just pull down all the tracks and do their thing. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. I'm also working on a SaaS for podcasters that's all written in Ruby on Rails. And so it'd also be nice if it, you know, it would just push it over there, right? And so it pushes it up to Amazon AWS and does that through an API on PodWrench, which is what I'm calling that SaaS, right? And then the editor just does their work out of there, right? So they just download it directly from PodWrench and bada bing, bada boom, we're off to the races and we have audio that they can use to edit stuff. So the audio uploads uh, kind of critical, especially having it be automatic. But that's one other issue with like Zencaster and some of these other ones is that as they run, what winds up happening is, is that you go to close the window and it'll, it'll warn you, right? We're still uploading, don't close it. But I mean, and, and I guess you can do this with a desktop app too, but you can force it to close, right? So if you're having some issue 
you can force it to close. And then if you open up Zencaster later, it may or may not resume depending on your setup. Whereas with this, if, if we don't get the audio file, we can just ping our guest and say, hey, look, can you just open up the Double Ender app for a little bit? Make sure that it's, you know, it's done uploading and then, and then we can be done, right? And then it's all taken care of, right? We'll put some safety features in it, right? So that if, if we start a recording, it prompts them before turning on their mic because I don't really want to record anyone without their permission. You know, it, it's kind of implied when you all get on the same call. But since this is going to be a separate app, it's not going to do the conference, right? It's, it's only going to do the recording. We'll still do the conferencing through Zoom, and we'll have that as kind of a master track if something gets lost. But ideally, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about some of that other stuff, right? So having that all in there, I'd like to have some function where whoever's running the call, right? So whoever's the primary host can click start the call. And then everybody else's app on their end, because everybody has joined the same call in the app, gets a notification that says, Chuck has started the call, click here to start your recording. And then when it's done, have it actually line up the recording, right, and do all that work so that it actually gives the, the tracks the same deal. Anyway, you kind of get the idea. I've, I've got all these different features that I want in there that are going to make it easier to manage all of the stuff that we do with recording a podcast, and it'll make that a lot easier. So so I'm probably going to work on that one first. I'll probably work on the caucus one second. The caucus one will have to be done by March 17th. In fact, before March 17th, because that's caucus night in Utah, basically for all the parties. The, the state sets up when caucus night is. And then from there, the parties decide what they're going to do after caucus night. So, uh, you know, the Democrats, Republicans, the uh, whoever else is in Utah, there, there are a bunch of smaller parties in Utah. There's the Unified Utah Party, which is kind of interesting, a local party that has an uh, interesting, uh, you know, large-ish constituency in Utah. But yeah, all their caucus nights happen on the same night. So by having that together, that, that would be really great. And then having a great way to just tally the votes and things like that so that at the end of the day, we come out of it and it's like, okay, well, in our caucus, you know, we got this many votes for this person, this many votes for this person, right? Um, you know, or, you know, here, here are all the ranked choice ballots. And so here's who got elected. Anyway, really, really interesting stuff. So it should be fun. It should be really fun to do this and uh, dive in. And I'm looking forward to, you know, writing some software. The double ender thing is probably not going to be open source just because I'm planning on opening it up as a SaaS, as a software as a service. And I'd rather not share all of the intricate details. If you watch the videos, you know, I'm not going to hide anything there. I'm just not going to make the code available for everybody after the fact. As far as the caucus night thing goes, honestly, I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be open source. But since I'm kind of looking at using somebody else's uh, purchase domain, you know, that, that might be part of the deal. But anyway, ultimately, I just want to make Caucus Night easier because in the past, it's been crazy. I mean, this last time wasn't bad. But the time before that, we had, I think we had like 500 people show up because it was the presidential election. And people were super concerned about, uh, you know, um, all the Republican candidates that we're running and, you know, and so who, you know, who, who do we, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. So we had, we had to count votes a couple of times and it took forever because it was paper ballots by hand. I'm looking to make that process a whole lot easier. This time the presidential thing is happening at the primary. So it really doesn't matter because we, we did the presidential thing at the caucus night and then we did delegates and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. So we had two elections. But yeah, that, that's kind of what we're looking at. And I'm really looking forward to working on some of this stuff and just seeing if we can make some of these processes better for people so that we can get more people involved in the, the 
uh, political processes that we're talking about. But anyway, so I will post the details of the contest on the website and hopefully put that out so that people can actually look at it and figure out what they want to do and decide, you know, when they want to start. And then, yeah, um, if you want to, if you're posting on Twitter or Instagram or something else, I just use the hashtag 100 days of view. So 100 days of view, V-U-E. That would be awesome. Maybe I, I, I had an idea. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to confuse people, but, uh, oh, I will say it. I was thinking 100 points of view. Anyway, uh, we'll do days of view. If we could pull that together, that would be really, really awesome. That way we can kind of build up a bunch of people who are doing better with view. And then, and this is for people at all levels too, right? So if you're not a professional view developer, like I'm not, then this is your chance to learn it. And if you're, uh, if you are doing it every day, this is your chance to level up on all the things that you want to learn about it. And yeah, it's going to mean some sacrifice on your time, but that's the whole point. And this is something that I push anyway for people to do in Max Coders is, you know, to, to spend a bit of time, right? To, to actually buckle down, figure out where you want to end up, and then go for it. So if, if that's what you're after, if that's what you're doing, then this should fit right in. It shouldn't be that much more than what you already do anyway. Anyway, if you have any feedback, we're going to do it and give it a try, see how it works. And then I may actually do like 100 days of Ruby or 100 days of JavaScript or 100 days of whatever other language, right? And see if we can get that going. And maybe we'll do that whenever we launch a new show on devchat.tv, right? So, you know, maybe we get a Python show go going, which is something that I've been working on for a while. You know, maybe we can make that happen too. When I first started taking computer science classes in college, I thought programming was just a joke. In fact, I changed my major over to engineering and started doing computer engineering and chip design. Then I found Ruby and I fell in love. I love Ruby. It was my first real programming language where I dove deep and really learned how to make software that makes a difference for other people. Since then, and the way that we got started with devchat.tv, we started a show called Ruby Rogues. It's currently in the 400s of episodes. We've talked to hundreds of people in the Ruby community about the Ruby community, about the Ruby programming language, about Rails, and about what makes good programming. So if you're interested in Ruby Rogues or you just want to hear a long series of experienced programmers talking about real problems, then go check out rubyrogues.com. Anyway, that's more or less everything that I've got here today. I am going to do a few picks and then um, I will max out of here. The first one is, is really just a, a thank you to Microsoft. So thanks for listening to the podcast. We recorded it at Microsoft Ignite and Microsoft is giving away Microsoft Surface earbuds to our listeners. It's a sweepstakes. So to enter, you go to aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes. That's all one word. It's case insensitive. So you can capitalize any of those letters you want. aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes. And if you enter before December 15th, 2019, yeah, I'll be 40 then by one day. My 40th birthday is the day before that. But yeah, aka.ms slash podcast sweepstakes by December 15th, you'll be entered to win those earbuds. I have no idea how many they're giving away. They look pretty sweet. So uh, yeah, I, I think I need to go enter myself under a couple of aliases just to see if I can line that up. So anyway, a uh, few other picks that I have. So when I was looking at going to React Days Berlin, which I'm not going to do anymore just because I can't take the time off, I was looking at a website called kiwi.com. And kiwi.com is essentially a way of doing travel on the cheap. So I didn't look at hotels, I was looking at flights, because I was thinking, you know what, uh, a flight to Berlin, like on Delta, which is usually who I fly on, is not cheap. And they were only willing to reimburse me up to a certain amount for the flight. 
And so I got on Kiwi.com and I was looking at some of the costs and things. And I realized that I could, I could fly round trip for, you know, six, $700. Now it's a little bit interesting what they do. So, you know, I put in that, you know, I was willing to fly out of Salt Lake or anywhere around it. Right. So it included Provo, Ogden. I think it cast a wide enough net to include uh, Las Vegas and St. George. Some of the flights it was get on the commuter train at Salt Lake Central Station and ride it south and then get on a Greyhound bus and take it to Las Vegas, and, right? And then catch the flight from Las Vegas to Paris and then Paris to Berlin or something like that, right? And then on one of the other flights back, it was go to this terminal in Berlin and catch a bus to Prague and then fly out of Prague, right? And so it was really, really interesting just how they kind of put things together. The other thing was, was that most of the connections on Kiwi.com were things like, you know, you're going to have to transfer your bags yourself because you're switching airlines. And so, you know, you fly into uh, Paris Orly Airport and you go pick up your bags. You take a bus across town to Charles de Gaulle. (laughs) right? And you get on a different airplane from a different airline, or even a different plane from a different airline at Orly, right? So you don't change airports, but you have to go check your bag again, and stuff like that. It was really interesting to see how they kind of uh, tied all that together. And I'm seriously considering how I can make a trip to uh, Europe work, because that puts it within the realm of reasonable cost for me to make it out there. I'd love to go meet some of our listeners in Europe, I'd love to go back to uh, some of the places I lived in in Italy. So anyway, that got me really excited. I was like, wow, this is cool. If your flights don't line up, they, they do have a guarantee, right? So if, if your flight gets in late and you miss your next flight, they have a guarantee. They have a way for you to make it work. But anyway, really, really fascinating how they can kind of string all that stuff together. So uh, yeah, digging that. And then the other pick I have, and typically I don't pick hotel chains just because you know, every hotel's different. I've stayed at a lot of hotels um, within the same chain that just weren't as great. But uh, I am really liking the Hyatt Regency Hotel here in Orlando. You know, Microsoft put me up there. I got in late and they were out of the type of room that I had registered for. So they upgraded me to a suite. So I'm in this giant hotel room. Anyway, it's been a great place to stay. They've, they've really worked things out. Most hotels too, if I order a DoorDash, I have to come down to the lobby to get it. And with them, what they do is they've actually just called up to my room and said, did you order a DoorDash? And yeah, and I, yeah, I'm like, yep, uh, from this place, yep. Do you want us to send them up? Yep. And then I don't actually have to go find my shoes, right? They'll just send the DoorDash up. So lots of stuff there going on. Um, also really liking DoorDash on this trip. Lots of great food. So uh, I'm going to pick that as well. Um, and then finally, I'm going to do a quick shout out and just let you know about the DevRev. The DevRev, initially, I started out as a YouTube channel. And I was going to do YouTube videos uh, like some of my friends do. And I just never quite got it going. And to be perfectly honest, I I started getting a little bit perfectionist about it and I wasn't happy with it. But the podcast thing is something that I've kind of got down pat. Uh, It's something that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with. So... I've decided to just convert it over to a podcast and I'm just going to talk about stuff. And then I've decided that it's okay for me to turn on my camera, even if I don't have like the backdrop that I want. And so if you see my plants behind me or, you know, some other desk setup behind me or something like that, fine, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to look, you know, super polished because my primary 
place to reach people is on the podcasts. And I feel like I have much more opportunity to do that. So I'm going to be rebooting the DevRev and I'm going to be doing it uh, as a podcast. I'm probably going to do it a little bit longer form like these podcasts tend to be. Yeah, I'm really excited about it just to talk about what people can do to improve their careers, improve their lives and things like that. I don't know that I t plan to get into, you know, much of the political stuff or things like that that happen sometimes in tech. And if I do, I'm going to try and be rather circumspect and present all sides. But at the same time, I mean, I am going to share my opinion. So if there's some aspect or idea out there in the programming community that I think is harmful or at least not helpful, I'll point it out, right? Some of the ideas is hard because I think in some ways they're kind of fair, but they do have this detrimental effect in specific areas or in specific ways. And so I want to be able to talk about that. But for the most part, I'm really just going to be giving advice on careers and how to be awesome and, and things like that. And just really kind of push people to do the things that are going to get them ahead. Because a lot of people, they get stuck in this place where they feel like they can't leave their job or they feel like they can't find a job or they feel like learning this new system framework, whatever is hard or things like that. And I just want to encourage people to, you know what, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't always go the way that we want it to. But don't give up. Keep trying. Here are some things you can try. Here are some things you can do. Here are some practices you can put into place to improve your life, your career, yourself, right? And yeah, you know, in some ways stuff isn't fair. And in other ways, it just isn't necessarily fair in this instance. But for the most part, things work out well. So, you know, well, let's talk about this stuff. But instead of trying to debunk necessarily any particular idea, just help people kind of approach things where they are and where the industry is and help people get there. So yeah, if you're interested in that, it'll be at thedevrev.com. I'm really looking forward to getting that out. And then I'm also getting ready to launch Max Coders. And that's at maxcoders.io. Finally, if this goes out before the 19th of November, then hang in there. The book's going to come out. It's the Max Coders Guide to Getting Your De Dream Developer Job. And so if you're not happy in your job or you are trying to get your first developer job, then this book will walk you through the process of doing a job search that's going to get you a job. I pretty much guarantee it. And uh, the reason it works, it's a ton of work. But the reason it works is because you're out there actually proving to people that you can do it. It's not just the send your resume around to a whole bunch of people and gee, it's not fair that nobody's calling me back. It's specifically designed to help you do things the right way so that people will notice you, will want to hire you, and will want to uh, work with you going forward. So anyway, go check it out. Uh, the Max Coders Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. On Max Coders itself, I'm working on a course on keeping current. So if you sign up for maxcoders.io, then you'll start getting that course. And uh, I'm also looking to pull together like some webinars and things like that and help people that way. So anyway, a uh, little bit of self-serving picks at the end, but really it's just another way for me to be able to reach out and serve you. And that's what I'm in this for. You know, yeah, I have to make some money at it so I can pay for stuff, but... I really just want to help people out. So anyway, that's pretty much the entire episode. I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up and make somebody come in here and give me the file so I can post it. Yeah, let me know if you have any questions. You can email me, chuck at devchat.tv. You can tweet at me at cmaxw. Until next time, Max out. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit dot -E com to learn more.